Coloradans are electing their first new governor in eight years. We're meeting the candidates ahead of primaries that for the first time are open to all voters. Today on Who's Gonna Govern? Republican Doug Robinson. We caught up with him at a campaign stop. Hi there. Oh my God. I see you again. How are you? Yeah, good to see you. Robinson was at a coffee shop in Firestone to speak with Republican voters. It's in Weld County, which President Trump won resoundingly in 2016. Doug Robinson has never run for office before, but comes from a well-known political family. His uncle is former Massachusetts governor and former Republican presidential nominee Mitt Romney. Robinson's grandfather was governor of Michigan, and he says his inspiration. When I was a teenager, my uh, dad left our family. And uh, my grandfather kind of stepped in to provide adult male guidance in my life. And he came from nothing was successful in business, was three-term governor of Michigan. And he believed that, you know, basically you make a success of yourself in the world and you give back. Robinson, a retired investment banker, says it's now his turn to give back. At the coffee shop, he touted his business experience, then asked for questions. They ranged from abortion, which Robinson opposes, to his view of homeschooling. Yeah, so uh, I believe in freedom and choice and empowering parents and kids to make the right decision. What's the right decision for, for them? And so I believe in all forms of education. Traditional schools may be best for some families. That's really where, where my kids have gone, through a public uh, uh, elementary, middle, and high school. They've, I've had four graduate from Cherry Creek High School. Uh, but that's maybe not best for every family. So we need public charter schools. We need freedom to do homeschooling. We need uh, you know, online uh, opportunities. From CPR News, I'm Ryan Morner, and this is Who's Gonna Govern, your audio introduction to the candidates for governor in Colorado. Let's listen to my interview with Doug Robinson, recorded May 2nd. Welcome to the program. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be on. What's the single biggest problem facing Colorado, and how do you propose to solve it? It is roads. We have not invested in our roads, and we have to fix them now. And I'm sure all of your listeners, like I am, are tired of sitting in traffic in Metro Denver. But it's not just about traffic here. It is about across the state. If you drive I-76, which I did last week, you are basically bouncing the whole way there. I was uh, driving from Uray to Montrose uh, two weeks ago and had to wash out for the washouts on the side of the road. We simply haven't invested in our infrastructure. Lawmakers, even as we speak, are debating how to send more money to transportation. Uh, There are those who would like a tax increase, including the business community, for instance. There are Republicans who say, no, no tax increases. Let's do this through bonding. How would you pay for transportation? Do you think that there is a lack of funding for stuff? There is a lack of funding. There is not the money in the budget, and we haven't prioritized our budget to spend on roads. It looks like we're going to have bipartisan agreement on prioritizing spending on roads, and the question is, how do you fund it? And I think the what I've heard around the state is that taxpayers want government to fund it without a tax increase. So I am in favor of a bond, similar to the bonding proposal that's in the uh, legislature right now, around $3.5 billion, and 
that means about $250 million a year of debt service over 20 years to pay those bonds. Isn't that a drop in the bucket if you look at the $9 billion backlog that the Colorado Department of Transportation says it has? No, it is a significant down payment on improving the quality of our roads across the state. I think they may be right. Nine billion, I believe, is their estimate over the next 20 years with the number of people moving here to Colorado and the needs that we have. And three and a half billion dollars is a significant down payment on that challenge. You say that there's not an appetite for a tax increase and yet you speak to people's frustration. What makes you say Uh, in opposition to many in the business community, that now is not the time for a tax increase. I think a tax increase is, the the tax increase, whether it's sales tax or gas tax, are regressive. They hurt those at the bottom of society. They hurt those in the rural areas if it's a gas tax that are driving more distances. I think funding our infrastructure is a fundamental role of government. We can do it without taxes. We can find the money in the general fund to pay the debt service on the bonds. And what happens if the economy goes south? We still have that obligation. So it's still, about exactly. We, it's about two hundred and fifty million dollars a year. That's on a thirty billion dollar budget that we have. So we're talking less than one percent in terms of an annual commitment to this problem with our roads. Longer term, maybe we do need to look at some new forms of, uh, of funding. But right now, this is the right solution, I believe. You've said roads a lot. What role would transit or alternative transportation play if you become governor? Those are important too. We absolutely have to support uh, RTD and the and the uh, projects that they're doing. Uh, we need to get the lines built, the one that's going up to through Arvada, where they have people sitting at the stops because of federal regulation when they haven't even built it. Uh, there's no, I mean, they built it, but there's no trains going on it be, to to comply. So, absolutely, all forms of of transportation are important. You co-founded an investment bank in Denver that raised money principally for technology companies. You later sold it to a global firm. You're also founder of the nonprofit Kids Tech, whose goal is to make sure that high needs students have access to technology and technology literacy. And you've said that you're uniquely qualified to help the state prepare for the jobs of the future in areas like robotics, artificial intelligence, virtual reality. As governor, what would you do specifically? Talk to me about aligning education which, with what you th- see as the jobs of the future. Those jobs are coming. I saw as I walked in that this is the Rutbridge's building, and he is a leader in talking about autonomous vehicles and how that's going to transform. You probably had him on your show. Uh, this, is, this is someone who made the building we are sitting in possible uh, and has talked a lot about autonomous vehicles, for instance. Right. So that's part of we are going to see technology change every aspect of our lives. We have an opportunity to be a real leader. And it is through bringing our businesses more engaged with our high schools and our universities to really have internships, have uh, those sorts of opportunities to bring kids into those businesses so they're prepared for those jobs. So you'd like a stronger alliance between business and public education? Yes, I would. Talk to me about these teacher walkouts lately. Do you support them? I think teachers have a right to do that. Absolutely. I know some in my party have said they should uh, they should not have that right. They do. They have the right to express their views. And I support and am sensitive to their concerns. I have a son who's 25 years old now. Last year he was 24. He was teaching in Denver. Guess where he was living? In my home because he couldn't afford uh, rent in an apartment. And now he's moved out. But it is a concern.
Should the state be spending more money on education? We can say for sure that it's not spending what it's constitutionally committed to under Amendment 23. Yes, we need to spend more on education. We have to, we need to pay down that negative factor. I don't support a huge tax increase. I think we can be more efficient and get in our schools the way we manage our schools to get more money to the teachers. But we have to spend more on public education. You yes. don't, you don't support a huge tax increase or you don't support any tax increase? I don't import, support a tax increase now. Okay. You know, there are those in government uh, now, perhaps on both sides of the aisle, who say you're expecting a lot of efficiency out of a government that is uh, restricted by measures like Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. If there was so much money to find already, don't you think Republicans in the legislature might have found it or the governor might have found it already? I recall last year the the uh, uh, House members came up with about four or five hundred million dollars of suggested savings in government. So I think there is some efficiencies. Uh, unlike some of my Republican opponents, I don't think there's billions of dollars hmm. of efficiencies in the budget. But just one percent on a thirty billion dollar budget—that's three hundred million dollars. I believe we can find some of those efficiencies to it. Yes, invest more in our education and in our roads. I, I want to talk about Tabor uh, specifically because there are candidates on the Democratic side of this race who would like some changes to the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It does seem like you'd be open to room for compromise. I mean, because you've said in the past, uh, for instance, that you would have signed a bill that took a fee out from under Tabor and freed up money for roads and schools. This was kind of clunkily referred to as the hospital provider fee. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but do you think there's room for compromise on Tabor restrictions or would you like to see Tabor stay as is? I think there's room for discussion about all issues. And uh, yes, what I'm committed to about Tabor is the spending cap and the requirement that we have transparency in government, meaning that we have to go to the voters to get tax increases approved. Well, that's the meat of Tabor. Those are the fundamental things that I am uh, committed to protecting. Yes. Okay. So it sounds like you wouldn't support any major changes to Tabor. Yes. Okay. As we said earlier, you are related to former Massachusetts governor and 2012 presidential uh, nominee for the Republicans, Mitt Romney. He is scheduled to campaign for you in Colorado this month. But I bring him up in a different context, and that's health care. So as governor of Massachusetts, Romney led the rollout of what was essentially Obamacare before Obamacare. It was dubbed Romney Care, required people to buy health insurance. That state expanded Medicaid to cover the poor. Uh, These are all things Republicans have largely fought. Where do you differ from Mitt Romney on health care, who I believe is is one of your largest donors? Yes, I'm grateful for that. (laughs) And he is coming uh, to to support my race. So I think each state, uh, this is an issue that I don't think the federal government has done a a good job on solving. They've tried to solve it for 50 years. They haven't been able to do it. He came up with a plan for Massachusetts that I think is working for Massachusetts. We need a plan for Colorado. And it does include supporting Medicaid, but trying to, we should celebrate people coming off Medicaid when they have better jobs and better opportunities. But I think there's some changes we can make. I would 
would look at managed care as a solution in uh, Medicaid spending. Uh, over 20 other states have adopted that. I think there's some things we can do. This bill that was not passed last week out of committee around price transparency, I think that's a step in the right direction. There's a lot we can do in Colorado to reduce our health care costs. Do you think that there should be the individual mandate, the requirement to buy health insurance in I Colorado? Do, I do not support that. I think people uh, make their own decisions. We we provide access and care and opportunity, but I don't support the individual mandate. Okay, so that uh, separates you from Romney Care in Massachusetts, for instance. Yes. On, on Medicaid, would you roll back the expansion of Medicaid under Obamacare? Really hard to roll things back, right? What we need to do is provide, change the incentives. So I would look at things, as I said, like managed care. I would look at maybe increasing the co-pays or doing what Indiana did. They now charge a small premium to their Medicaid uh, folks every month. It's from 8 to $18 a month. And it makes a difference in terms of how those people consume health care. Should there be a work requirement for those in Medicaid? Yes, a work or uh, not for those that are, um, you know, elderly or, or, or kids or disabled, but those that are able, able-bodied, they should be looking for work or working or volunteering. Yes, I believe that's fair to ask them. I want to ask that question with the context that there are many on Medicaid in Colorado who are working. Most working of them poor. working two and three jobs, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a challenge in that we have a you know 2.9% unemployment rate, yet we have almost one in four Coloradans on Medicaid. I've met with many of them. They're working two and three jobs just to try to make it. So we need to have economic leadership to bring back to the technology jobs, higher paying jobs, opportunities for them to lift themselves off of Medicaid. Does it make sense to have states individually tackling health care which is usually a market that benefits from economies of scale. It does, because the federal government has not shown that they can solve it. And I don't have any confidence in their ability to do it going forward. Just the political pressures are too great. The power of the pharma and hospital and other lobbies are really uh, hard to overcome. A poll conducted in January revealed that immigration is the top issue for Republicans in Colorado. You and the other Republican candidates in this race have spoken out against sanctuary cities, for instance. But I want to ask you about the coming census. The Trump administration wants to ask about people's citizenship. Colorado's governor, uh, it was revealed yesterday, is suing to stop that for fear that it uh, may lead people to avoid census, uh, filling it out. Do you think the census should ask about citizenship? I do. I think we have to have an accurate picture of what's going on in our country. And I'm sensitive to that concern, though, about people, you know, not participating. We need to make sure that there's no, you know, penalty or or impact for them doing. We want to encourage everybody to participate. But we need to know who's legal and who's not in this country. And how do you think you achieve both goals? That is to get a full picture of the country and count as many people as thoroughly as possible, and yet ask about citizenship, which certainly under this administration is a loaded question these days. Yeah, it's loaded because they're concerned that they're going to get deported. 
And I think we need to make clear that uh, in Colorado, at least, uh, we're not rounding up uh, illegals and shipping them back. I do believe that sanctuary cities are not the right approach and that those people that have committed jailable offenses should be turned over to ICE. And that should be made clear throughout our immigrant communities, that we welcome them. They, we want them to have a future and a part in our society. But they need to become citizens. And if they've committed laws and uh, broken laws and they're not citizens, then uh, they need to be uh, handed over to our federal immigration authorities. What's the lowest level offense? You think there should be that kind of state federal cooperation or local <laughs> federal cooperation? I don't know exactly, but maybe a, maybe a DUI or something like that. I was asked about that on Nine News, and I think that makes sense. To guns for a moment, and a proposal that's often called the red flag warning, it would allow judges to take guns from people who are believed to be a danger to themselves or others, uh, at least temporarily. You said at a debate in March that you favor this idea, and a bill to accomplish this was introduced at the legislature uh, with bipartisan support. Uh, A few hours later, though, there was some talk about Republicans removing a key leader in their party who had supported this idea. Uh, feelings seem to run strong among Republicans about this. What, what, what do you think of this red flag bill and where it puts you uh, among other Republicans? You know, I'm supportive of it. Um, I believe that uh, looking at look at law enforcement, I tend to I have worked a lot with law enforcement over the last few years on legislation that has been passed around drug policy. And I know these guys. I know the uh, sheriff of Douglas County and he's for it. George Brockler is for it. I tend to be for it. But you have to. George Buckler, district attorney. You can't take away people's constitutional rights. And uh, and that's where you have to have due process in this. We have to ensure, and I need to, to make sure that these red flag laws do not restrict, uh, you know, arbitrarily take away people's rights, that there is due process, because we do have a constitutional right to carry arms to the uh, Second Amendment, and I'm supportive of that. Let's move on to marijuana, which actually is a big issue for you. You are a key player in a group called Smart Colorado, whose mission is to protect youth from marijuana. You say many adults with medical marijuana cards are really just recreational users who like paying the lower taxes on medical pot. And so you would require those cards to be given out by a doctor that the patient has an existing relationship with. Uh, And so with more people, presumably in that plan, paying recreational taxes, you'd spend more on educating kids about the dangers of pot. Help us understand, how would you move more people to the recreational marijuana market if if they presumably have a relationship with a doctor right now, give them a card? Right now, they have an annual requirement to have a uh, card. That's an annual card. And uh, so I wouldn't make any force anybody. I would just say, listen, the dispensaries cannot have these relationships with the pot doctors who are mostly prescribing pot. We, if you have a, norm, a regular doctor who is, uh, you've had a relationship for a while, um, and he says this is the right thing for you, I think Colorado, we could be a leader. There is, uh, you know, beginning to be real proof that CBD is effective in helping uh, on a lot of diseases. We should be a leader. We should be promoting that. But we should take those people that are using high THC marijuana in the recreational, I mean, in the medical side, put them in the recreational side. Let's get those tax revenues. 
How would you establish whether someone has a relationship that's valid or not? We need to bring our physicians together and really figure out what's the right plan to be able to do that. And, and um, uh, sure, there's going to be some little bit of gray area there. But I think uh, uh, you know, a large number of people have gone to these dispensary-tied doctors and paid 100 or $200 for a red card for back pain. I think they should be paying the recreational taxes. We have less than a minute. I want to point out that Colorado has had only one Republican governor in the last four decades, Bill Owens, from 99 to 2007. This is a state that Hillary Clinton won in 2016. President Trump's approval rating is at about 41 percent. What makes you think this year could be different for a Republican? It's going to be a tough uh, lift for any Republican. I think I have the best chance. I am a pragmatic sol- problem solver. I'm, you know, I, I stepped in to solve issues on difficult, had the courage to come in on difficult I- ideas and solve uh, these problems. So I think I have a real chance if I win the nomination, which I expect to. And in June, I need your support. I need you to go to DougForColorado.com. Uh, spoken like someone running for office, Doug Robinson. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Republican Doug Robinson is running for governor. We spoke May 2nd. In the next episode of Who's Gonna Govern? Democrat Donna Lynn. She's currently lieutenant governor and now wants the top job. Our music is composed by Scott Holmes. Thanks to producers Andrea Dukakis and Michelle P. Fulcher. I'm Ryan Warner at CPR News.